What goes around comes around. It's usually said sort of as a threat, almost as if one is saying, I don't get mad, I'll get even. Or, at least I know and hope someone else will do the dirty work for me. What would we advise Joseph to do? He was a favored son, but his brothers, one who sat around at the family table with him, despised him, turned on him, threw their own brother or half-brother into a pit to die. But mercifully, and or greedily, they sold him into slavery. They got something out of him. They lied to their father then and made up a story about an animal attack. And in slavery, Joseph didn't wallow, but was a faithful servant. Potiphar's house thrived. Then one whom he served lied. She made up a story about an attack from Joseph, and Joseph was put into prison. He interpreted a couple of dreams. He finally interpreted Pharaoh's dreams about the lean and the fat cows, the upcoming famine. And he was released, and his wisdom, skill, and diligence saw Joseph rise to second in command in all of Egypt, next to Pharaoh himself. And then the famine brought his brothers down, begging. Oh, they were given food. The family came down, but then dad, father, Jacob, Israel, died. Is this the moment then that it becomes what goes around comes around? Joseph can finally strike. They can get what's coming to them, their comeuppance. Is this the time for Joseph to throw the stones of justice over and over again at those who betrayed him? Couldn't he think back to what it was like at the bottom of the pit? Do you think he forgot? Do you think he forgot what it was like being sold, tied, shackled into slavery, and sent away alone? Can't he remember that Egyptian dungeon where he suffered unjustly, wrongly accused? He sure does remember. He remembers all the pain, the anger, the frustration, the evil that came upon him, and evil it was. But it wasn't payback time or time to get even. Joseph forgave his brothers. He saw God's plan. Oh, there was another favorite son, an only son, cherished and loved. He sat at table with his friends, but one who shared a dipping sauce bowl with him had already made a plan to betray him. Judas despised our Lord Jesus, turned on him, betrayed him with a kiss. Greedily, Judas sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and handed Jesus over to the will of man. Put him in prison, whip him, do worse. There was plenty of lies and slander about Jesus, all to get him to be killed. Mockery over his mother's birth before that. They said he was a Samaritan, had a demon. 
They called him a Sabbath breaker. They didn't like the company that he kept with sinners, tax collectors, and those of ill repute. It culminates in the repetitive and brutal crucify, crucify. No, you didn't hear, crucify, 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 crucify. Over and over again. And atop that mountain of murder, the cry then really culminates in another repetitive word. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them. Forgive, 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 forgive them. What goes around comes around, stops for us sinners when Christ takes on all that we deserve and all that others deserve too on the cross. Your debts to others, your debt to God stops there. Jesus has taken it all on in your place and he's taken everyone else's sins, evils, wickedness, filth. He's taken that on too. In our worldly self-indulgent moments, though, we know what we'd tell Joseph to do to his brothers. It's not good, but we still kind of want to watch that movie, right? We'd even call it right and fair. What What would we advise Jesus to do on Easter after he's risen from the dead? Anything that he ends up doing? Probably not rise from the grave and start slaughtering everyone who punched you and spat on you and nailed you to the tree. Do some divine action thriller movie. Be better than John Wick. Right? Where the good guy hunts down all the bad guys, gets them, gets them good. Shows up in the upper room behind the locked doors and we grab for our popcorn because we know he's going to do some awesome ninja god moves on them, right? And break out all the guns and lay them all waste. So, you couldn't stay awake and pray, but you sure could run. Better start running now, right? Or some other, you know, terribly crafted, corny action movie line. But we love it. We eat it up. Those movies sell a lot of tickets. They're rented and clicked on all the time. But then we might want to say, you know, after we say, go get him, Jesus, consider who's on the hit list. Look down it and see your own name. Whose sins did he pay for again? Do we really want to cry out to God, say, Give them what's right. Give them what's fair, especially for what they did to me. Cannot he ask us, well, what about what you've done to me? If anyone knows our debt, our permanent record sins, it's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Jesus appears in the upper room, not with machete or having beat his plowshare into a sword but instead he appears there and says peace be with you he sends his pastor to you today to forgive your sins and they're forgiven in the name that knows them all 
in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus still deigns to dwell with us most lowly and dine with us sinners. He feeds us with his own body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus doesn't come to scare the hell out of you. Jesus comes to get you out of hell, to forgive you. He knows the Father's plan. I suppose that some of us, if not all of us, are holding a grudge. We're sinners. Kind of makes sense. For us, Joseph and Jesus are examples that become examples that are just too good for us. I get it. (laughs) Maybe we justify ourselves, though, then, and think, well, Joseph and Jesus, those are isolated, those are special circumstances. I mean, they're in Holy Scripture. Where am I in Holy Scripture, after all, you know? If I had gone from, you know, if I was Joseph and had gone from the rags of slavery to the riches of being a vice-regent of Egypt, famous, rich, happy, well, I'd probably say, ah, who cares, water under the bridge, you know? Maybe I'd even thank my brothers for it. I'm so pious after all. And we forget that we don't forget whenever we're wronged. And we act as if Joseph couldn't remember what it was like in the pit or in prison. As if it was easy for him to say water under the bridge, but then we don't act like it's easy for us at all. Do we think about even our Lord? Well, you know, Jesus knows the future. He's God. He knows the full story. And so it wasn't that bad for him. He kind of gets off easy because he knows on the third day he's going to rise from the dead. You know, it couldn't hurt him possibly as much as you know, when he's betrayed with a kiss, that if he knows how it's all going to work out in the end. Humanly speaking, what does it really bother him that Peter denied him? Doesn't he know he's going to restore him? Right? What does it matter that Thomas doubted? Doesn't he know he's going to correct him just on the next eighth day that pops up? And so we misunderstand Christ's incarnation and his person, even. And we make our Lord Jesus almost unhuman in the process. So different from us that he can't even understand or fathom our prayers when we're hurt, depressed, lonely, or angry. As if he's just up there shaking his head at us and saying, come on, suck it up, it's going to work out. Well, first... I don't think there's anything wrong for us to look at Joseph and our Lord Jesus and think, but they knew more and they're better. I'm okay definitely with saying Jesus was better than me. And I'm okay with saying that about Joseph too. He was. And it's kind of like that for us too though then. When bad things happen, you know, or should we just say when life happens, it's only for the one who's endured it to look to the past, and only that person, and God perhaps, can say, you know what, I see what God was doing there. Others may have seen me suffering and going through misery and people treating me terribly and me suffering evil. Others may have had malicious intent to harm me. 
And at the time, I thought that's what was going on too. If you would have asked me, I probably would have said, I don't know if I even have the faith at this point. But God worked through it all, even the pain, even the suffering, even the evil, for good. And in a way, I think that each of you can say that. Not toward one another again, mind you, but toward yourself. Because you're here right now. You're here to thank God. To praise God. Trusting in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And no, we're not in the place of God to justify or to condemn. He's the judge. But thanks be to God, we are in God's place. Where God is found. And where he promises to show us mercy and grace through word and sacrament. So look backward then. And see God's hand and presence in your own life through the ups and downs, the twists and turns. Trust that he's working then in the present ups and downs, twists and turns. And pray for strength to endure and pray to him for his compassion in your suffering. For Jesus Christ is true God and he is true man. His guts are wrenched over you. Don't forget about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the now, the present. You may look back and be able to forgive those past others easier than the present pests and problems. You may be able to look back and perceive God's past plans better than what he's doing right now for you. What good could come of this? What a question we ask. It can be said flippantly, but what good could come of this? Or That's a question that's always heavy. And answers to that question, flippantly given, sometimes trivialize, minimize, or they ignore how bad it really is for the other person. Yes, good will come. But I can only say that confidently because I say it in the God who suffered and died, in his name. He's the one who knows our pain and takes it on. And I can only say that good will come out of it all because all is well that ends well. And it does end well for those who believe in Christ. Look to what God has in store. And then, let that help you in the present to be hopeful now. Not just hope is for later, a perpetual carrot being dangled out in front of you. Grab the carrot now. Enjoy the hope you have in Jesus. For God brings you to him now. And he will work through it all to bring you to him forever, even after death. Good will come because Jesus will come again. So trusting in God's plan and looking to him, this helps us then to turn outward to our neighbor, even to the one who has hurt us with grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And if you do find yourself embittered to another, dodging forgiveness, playing that game, then stop it and look to God. 
Only when looking to God do we overcome bitterness and anger over the wrongs that are done to us. Why and how? Well, because our sins are worst. Our debt is bigger. And because Jesus puts an end to what goes around comes around. He stops your craving for justice for others, complaints and accusations against others as well. He stops all that by showing mercy and love to you, each and every one of us who wronged him. So remember your immense debt that Jesus paid that you could not pay. But he's canceled it eternally for you. You have been forgiven much, and so forgive others from your heart that God has changed. Remember your Savior's words. Father, forgive them. Hear those words. Believe those words. Share those words. Father, forgive them. Your Lord Jesus forgives you. Amen.